Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be talking about tech's role in mental health. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 15 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. I feel like I need one of those like uh, psychiatric couches and I could sit here and, uh, you know, you could you could uh, give me some mental health help. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry, sorry, John, I'm not licensed to practice mental health down in uh, Vegas. So. You need licenses in Canada? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a good, this is going to be a good topic. It's obviously in the news a lot because of the pandemic, but, uh, uh, and it's, I think, been uh, a topic that's been on uh, uh, the radar of, of healthcare for a little while now. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to today. Yeah. Does anyone not have some mental health issues after COVID, right? Uh, I guess it reminded me, uh, there's a radio station I listen to, a sports radio, and one of the talk, the guys on there, he's like, I'm an introvert. I'm in heaven. <laughs> so I guess there's a few people that maybe aren't suffering as much as others. Well, maybe we can start chatting a little bit, John, about technology's impact on mental health in healthcare. Um, you know, I think for years we've heard about the frustrations people have had with EHRs and how that's led to, you know, a dissatisfaction perhaps with the job being what it is now, you know, turning people who are clinicians into glorified data entry people. So certainly I think that aspect of technology has had a negative impact on mental health. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, there's a few aspects to it. I get a little annoyed when we blame the EHR too much on things like physician burnout, you know, when the EHR is often just reflecting the regulations and reimbursement requirements that are pushed upon them. And so, uh, you know, I, I get a little, you know, I have a little bit of a, an annoyance there, right? When <laughs> when the EHR is, it's kind of like the whipping boy of, of uh, physician burnout, even though it's often just reflecting something else. Uh, That said, you know, could they do a better job? Of course. And there's a bigger issue here. And I think that is related to the EHR. And that is before the EHR, you couldn't require what we require in macro, MIPS, meaningful use, whatever you want to call it, whatever it's become today, promoting interoperability. Like you, 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 you know, that wasn't possible or at least you couldn't do anything with it if they just put it in the paper chart. So we didn't ask the doctor to do all this granular data entry uh, because, okay, you put it in the paper chart, then what, right? So in some ways, the tech has opened the door to saying, hey, we want this data. And, you know, to be fair, the technology hasn't done a good job of saying, okay, you want the granular data But how can we do that in a way that's effective for the doctor to still be able to see the patient without disrupting that connection, uh, but still get access to the data? I think ambient clinical voice, which we talked about before, is the hope, you know, that gets there maybe. But I think that's a core to that is, you know, it did open us up to a lot of regulation and documentation that previously we just didn't ask for. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I don't think the EHR is to blame for everything. I certainly think it's contributed to uh, less job satisfaction, but I think it's reflective, as you said, of other forces. It's not just the EHR, it's the request for quality metrics, it's the request for all these other things and, and the way we do billing. So, yeah. um, but I also think te- technology has had a positive impact on mental health in certain cases. Uh, you know, for example, a lot of the uh, workflow automation uh, tools that we now have in healthcare has eliminated a lot of the tedious stuff or has eliminated some of the tedious stuff. Uh, even something as simple as um, texting solutions or electronic fax means that you no longer have to run over to the fax machine and grab a bunch of papers, right? Like you can click something on your desk and it goes <laughs> off and it gets virtually faxed to somebody. Or you can connect with people through communication tools now instantaneously instead of having to do the, you know, paging Dr. So-and-so across the speakers, right? Like um, it wasn't that long ago where that was common. Now you never hear those things, right? Anymore because they have, everyone has personal pagers or the vocera systems and things like that. So I certainly think there's also been a positive impact on mental health by technology in healthcare. Absolutely. I mean, it's another one of my like, you know, things that just bugs me and eats at me too, is that Anytime we create an advantage with technology and it becomes the status quo, we, we just forget about it, right? Like we just take it for granted the fact that no doctor has had to go searching for a paper chart, <laughs> you know, like that used to be a thing and say, where's the paper chart? Is it the nurse's box? Is it the doctor's desk? Is it in the doctor's car? Cause he took it home. Right. Like, you know, whatever, it, you know, like that just like, we just start taking it for granted. I was talking today on the HOTSM Twitter chat about ERX, right. E-prescribing. And you look at that and you're like, yeah, it's, just so commonplace now and there's still a small gap of adoption that needs to happen but it's so commonplace that like when was the last time a doctor got a call and said um i'm trying to read the script and i don't know what this chicken scratch means (laughs) like with erx it doesn't happen the same way so you know it's like but does does tech get any credit for that no we take it for granted once it becomes just the norm no, it's, it's a great point. It's a great point you're making that we're taking a lot of this stuff for granted that has been improved. Uh-huh. But, but let's talk about a different aspect now, you know, accessibility to mental health resources and professionals. What, what's tech's role being in that, if, if anything at all? Yeah, so I mean, I think the obvious things that everyone knows, there's not enough mental health professionals there's also a stigma around it, right? Like if, if we didn't have the stigma around it, the, 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 the gap between how many mental health professionals we need and how many we have would be even larger because many people who need it aren't going after it. And I think that's the promise of tech. And we've always known this was the case is that, could I just get on for a, a telebehavioral health visit in a non-stigmatized way, because I'm just in my home. I don't have to go to an office that says addiction <laughs> therapy or, you know, and obviously offices have done a good job naming themselves to try to conceal some of that. But, you know, th- there was just so much um, of the challenge of, oh, I got to go into the office and I got to go do this. And, and do I even need that? And so that's what's exciting for me is the technology helping people to overcome the stigma related to mental health 
And I think we've seen that on social media as well with many people sharing that they have depression or, you know, and that they're still successful, uh, you know, and, and kind of helping to break down that. So social media, you know, for all its ills as well, uh, you know, it's done some good in that regard as far as lowering the stigma around mental health. Uh, but then it also has a, provided a bunch of tools for people to say, would I really benefit from talking to a counselor? And it's kind of like a, a soft onboarding to say, oh, maybe I should try that. And then, you know, it can become clear, you know, almost like what's the gateway to mental health? You know, you can imagine that there's a lot of online tools that could be that gateway for people. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think technology definitely has helped uh, in this area in the sense that um, now with the ability to do Google search and, you know, whether it's ZocDoc or others, you know, a lot of these provider directories before, I mean, and I'm, I'm just even thinking about five, six years ago, would you even know where to go to get mental health resources? Like you, you basically, everyone would go, well, I got to go to my doctor. Maybe they would know, right. They make go a referral the pages. Is that? <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as easy to do as it is now. Now I can just look up mental health professional or therapist or whatever. And then instantly Google will give me the ones that are closest to me. Right. Or if I go to ZocDoc, the same thing, like, or even if I go to my local um, healthcare provider, they'll have a directory now and there's much more of that kind of technology. So I certainly think being able to find um, therapists and, and, and people who provide these kinds of supports is now a lot easier to, to find. And then add to that the telehealth aspect uh, where now, yes, you're right. I don't have to physically go into an office. I can see a specialist who may be a specialist two cities away, right? Um, all those are now possible because of technology and it'll help bridge that gap you're talking about where there's just not enough professionals to go around, right? Um, we still need more professionals, but at least now we've eliminated distance as a problem uh, and, and eliminated being able to find any, somebody who specializes in my area of need has now been gone because before I think people would give up. Like they would just, if there was not easy to find, they just didn't get, they didn't reach out, right? They just suffered in silence or they dealt with it in other ways. Um, so I think technology definitely has helped on that side of the access issue of mental health. Yeah. I mean, to your point of trying to discover the right counselor, I think mental health is, is such an intimate experience. And I think that the, the relationship you have with the counselor and the trust you have with the counselor, it, it matters in a different way than you, maybe a doctor where you're like, okay, well, the doctor's been through all this training. And if you're treating a cold, guess what? It's kind of the same, right? Whereas mental health, we all feel like we're snowflakes, right? <laughs> like that, that we have our own unique background in history, which is true to a, to a large extent, right? Um, and so I think we, we need to understand and, and trust the person that we're going to if we're going to go and have that kind of intimate relationship with them and share the personal details of our lives. And so I, I think to your point, being able to see online the reviews and you know to hear about them or to get referrals from your, your friends that they can say, yeah, this person's been great and they've navigated this really well. You know, like that, that wasn't possible you know, five, 10 years ago. These, these types of sites where you could really get a feel for who that counselor is uh, weren't available. And I think it's really important, even more so. I mean, it matters with the doctor's office too. We care about bedside manner and things. But I think even more so on the mental health side of things. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, just to name a few names, right? Like, you know, there's a company in the US, Able To, right, which does some really good work in the mental health space, uh, has really grown through their uh, association with United uh, and Optum. Like, it's just, you know, and, and what they do is both purely uh, cognitive behavior therapy, CBT treatment, the therapy uh, online, but also just access to professionals, right? Like, they have both. Uh, and then up here in Canada, there's a company called Inkblot, which does something very similar where you can, you know, they call it, you know, they remove the stigma of going to see a therapist for the very same reason of it's embarrassing sometimes for people to even go physically into the site or into um, a therapist's office. So doing it remotely can be a great way to introduce people to the benefits of, of seeing a professional. So, uh, you know, I think we're just going to see more and more of this uh, as, as the, as the, you know, months and years go on here where we, we see these sort of marketplaces and directories and things to try and get people to access uh, mental health care. Yeah, one of the best examples I saw of this uh, was actually when I was visiting Dubai and I met this uh, entrepreneur who was trying to build a telehealth company. It would be interesting to catch up with him now. I haven't heard him since uh, COVID, but uh, you know, his two focus areas to start were uh, prenatal care and, and kind of that whole birthing, you know, new mother process, which I think that makes sense because you want a high touch environment, you know, especially, you know, he was dealing with largely affluent people. Sure. Um, so that, that was interesting, but then he also said, and then also mental health, he said, and that's because over there, he said, and these were his comments, not mine. I don't have any data myself, but he said, there's such a strong stigma over there that people just stay far away from it. And so the, the you know, telemental health was such a powerful option for him there. So, and I think that's true for a lot of people. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lynn and Colin Hahn. Today, we're talking about mental health and the role technology plays. And if you enjoy listening to our show, be sure to also check out our companion CIO podcast. In that podcast, we sit down with some of the most innovative healthcare CIOs. These CIOs share insights into the most challenging parts of being a CIO. Plus, they talk about lessons that help them become a better CIO and a better leader. We know it's challenging to be a healthcare CIO and the CIO podcast will help you do your job better. Check it out at healthcareittoday.com and click on CIO podcast in the right sidebar or search for CIO podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. So John, uh, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, technology. We've talked about technology's impact in health, in, in, in mental health, in healthcare. I got to ask you this question. Mental health apps, can are they a good thing? Can they replace a mental health professional? What's your thought on the mental, mental health app world? Yeah, so I actually want to take one little step back from that. And that's even just does telehealth and telemental health replace in person? Um, you know, I'll be brave here and share, you know, I, I met with my counselor through COVID uh, virtually and, uh, and met with her, uh, you know, in, in that, you know, we had to, right, <laughs> like that we couldn't get together. And so we, we hopped on virtually and it was fine. It was okay. But there wasn't the free flowing kind of collaboration, kind of like when you and I are working on a project, right? we've made it work. Uh, you know, you can't leave Canada. I'm stuck in the U S right. Like at home, like we make it work, but like, 
for some things, it's just better to be together. And there's that where you can almost, you can talk over each other in a way that's collaborative, not, you know, not someone stepping over you, but, you know, showing some agreeance to what they're saying that was just really hard virtually. So, uh, you know, I, I still think it's great for people who haven't ever done it and need to get their, you know, dip their toes in and like we talked about. But uh, it's for me, it wasn't the same. It wasn't quite as good, you know, maybe 90% of the 100%. So, it, you know, it works, but I was happy to go back in person once I could. So, so then you stick it a step further back, right? And you say, well, what's the role of a mental health app? You know, it's the eternal question, will AI replace the doctor, right? <laughs> will AI replace the counselor? I, I think specifically in mental health, it, it, even less than the doctor, it's not going to replace the mental health counselor because it is so personalized what's said and how you apply the therapies, the treatments, whether you're doing EMDR, whether you're doing CBT, et cetera. Like it has to be customized to that person. Maybe it will get there eventually, but it's still a long ways off to be able to do that effectively and apply the principles of of that profession. But where I think it is interesting is the mental health apps could bridge the gap from visits with your mental health professionals. So that's where I'm kind of looking for the apps to be a supplement or a an add-on to what the mental health professional does in a regular visit. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be wrong to paint all mental health apps as useless, right? I, I think- yeah. I think there are, there's enough anecdotal evidence. There's hopefully some clinical evidence, I'm sure somewhere where the apps can help certain people in certain situations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to your point where it can be most helpful is in between visits when you're not able to see your, your professional um, and you need to maintain uh, or you need to maybe do some exercises or do some, uh, you know, uh, those kinds of things. I think apps could help you with that. I also think that if you have no other alternative, you can't see a therapist and whatever, then, then perhaps an app could help you, right? Um, yeah. If it leads you through, again, some, some form of therapy online that you're not able to get in person for, for whatever reason. So, however, I agree with you in that that's like saying like, can an app help you live a better life? The answer <laughs> is well, maybe, but like you probably need a coach, right? You need someone who really understands your situation, your unique needs, uh, your unique triggers uh, and, and help you work your way through it to even know it, what app even to use, right? There's so many, like you just look at mental health apps on Apple and you'll get like a hundred or plus, right? Like instantaneously. So I think having a professional, I don't think it'll replace it anytime soon. Yeah. I think the bigger challenge is actually that there are so many apps that claim some sort of mental health benefit. Uh, you know, on the one side, we have the head spaces, right? And the other kind of meditation type apps, which, you know, they can provide some tremendous benefit to people. I, I think, you know, that I don't think that's really questioned, but is that a mental health app, right? You know, and where does that fit? You know, it, it doesn't really fit into the true mental health therapy model. And the counselors that I talk to are said they're great, you know, and if they if they, they help you in your life and you know that's great. It's not a problem. But it often doesn't treat 
the real mental health issues that many people face. And so I think, you know, that's, it's going to be a challenge to know which ones really do go after the mental health conditions, depression, right. Bipolar addiction, et cetera. Right. Like that, that, you know, a counselor's working on um, and which ones, you know, are proven to be successful, uh, you know, to your point, right? There's a lot of mental health things that, you know, assignments, if you will, that a, a counselor might give you to do throughout the week to ensure your mental health, you know, could an app help remind you of that? Could an app help track how you're doing with that? I mean, journaling is a powerful tool of many mental health professionals. Could that app help you journal? Uh, you know, we all have the cell phone there, but we don't want to carry a book with all our intimate details. <laughs> so, you know, could you do it on your phone? Which, yeah, I mean, certainly there's privacy questions and things there. But I think those types of things, or even if you are having a incident where you know, maybe you'd need to reach out to someone and they're just not available. You don't have access to them. An app could be something that could walk you through some exercises that make sure that, you know, you know, you avoid falling into, into, you know, a worse situation while you're waiting to hear from your mental health professional. Well, you bring up a good point, John. And, you know, we've seen literally an explosion of mental health, mindfulness, meditation, you know, apps in the last little while. And I think that's part of a reaction to the fact that as a society, we're finally acknowledging mental health, behavior health issues and, and starting to destigmatize them, right? Mm-hmm. That, that anybody can have uh, a problem or a, a challenge, right? Your coworker, your mom, your, your, your brother, your, you know, your niece, your nephew, like it, it was before it was like, you didn't, you hardly knew someone who had a mental health issue. Now it's like, you know, one in three, right? Like it, we're starting to break down that barrier. And so I'm not surprised to see this explosion because of this newfound focus uh, around acceptance of, Hey, like a lot more people have mental health challenges than you might expect. And of course it's gotten even more prevalent and more attention during the pandemic. Now yeah. they're all staying at home and, and not able to see our friends, and we lost that support network that we normally would have, there's a lot more uh, attention and a lot more uh, issues around mental health now that we're in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 um, I think back to my childhood, um, my father uh, ended up having a gallbladder attack, went into depression, and has had depression, and dealt with depression ever since. And I know as a child... I had all sorts of stigma around that and, you know, it didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the disease. You know, it was just my dad always sleeping all the time and, you know, things like that that were tough to deal with as a child. And I got woken up to it when I went to college and uh, one of my friends who I'd known for, uh, I knew her for a year and then I actually went on my mission, came back. And, and then I, I, she told me about her experience with depression And it really just woke me up to, you know, it being a a disease that's treatable or that a disease that, you know, you can live with. And I've seen it even, you know, I read a venture capitalist who, you know, obviously has been super successful, sold hundreds of companies, et cetera, and he has depression, right? And so 
I think a lot of us have gone through this change of perception, you know, around mental illness and what does it look like? What does it mean? And, and can it be treated? In what ways can it be treated, et cetera? So I think that's evolved, right? And, you know, like we, you said at the beginning, COVID-19 has exacerbated that for a lot of people. My question is like, okay, we have a new understanding of mental health. But like, are we really rising to the occasion <laughs> to be able to deal with it, right? Uh, are, we, are we making the tools accessible that are needed? Are we providing the support? I mean, you know, health insurance doesn't cover mental health for most people. You know, all, all sorts of questions like that as far as, you know, what's going to happen. In some ways, I guess you could argue that could be good because we know how insurance has hampered some innovation in the other side of healthcare. Maybe the fact that mental health doesn't have insurance will force some innovation to happen that wouldn't happen otherwise. Yeah, I think I agree with your statement in the sense that um, we we didn't see, like innovation in this space, I think is a reactionary. I don't think I think there were some pioneers for sure that sort of predated all of this attention, but I think they struggled, right? And, and I think now that there is demand for this or acknowledgement that uh, there is a need for mental health services, now we're starting to see the technologies come. And I think there's a better way. Like we, the demand is now there. There's acceptance of it. It's no longer as stigmatizing as it was before to say that you're getting help or you're seeing a therapist or um and now there's technologies to enable that. So I think, I think, and I think the pandemic in, in a way will help that even more. It's accelerated it in a good way in the sense that, okay, like we now know we, we there's definitely a lack. We also now know that telehealth works, right? Like it can work in certain situations to, to help uh, folks who need this kind of support. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to more attention and more innovation happening in this area. And including, uh, I will say, even on the payer side, uh, hopefully we'll see some more and more interesting coverage and more interesting preventive uh, behavioral health kinds of programs that are that will crop up. It's interesting how my perspective has changed so dramatically. Uh, you know, like because you're right. I think a lot of people, and and I would have included myself, uh, you know, years ago. Uh, you know, just saying, you know, like, oh, you need a counselor. What's wrong with you, right? I mean, that kind of stigma of, you know, like oh, there's something wrong with you and you need help. Whereas now I look at it so different. I think this is changing for a lot of people where it's like, wow, that's awesome that you understand yourself well enough to, you know, to, to be vulnerable and to get help. Right. And that, you know, I, I kind of almost see it. Uh, I don't want to say a badge of honor. It's not quite there. Right. But, but the fact that someone is willing to, you know, go and, and realize that, you know, having an outside perspective is valuable and can help you improve. Yeah. I mean, we actually see this in the startup world and the healthcare startup world a lot. They just call them coaches. Right. So that's the way they destigmatize the counselors is the CIOs are stressed, right? They have really tough position. They have no one to go to. And so they have all sorts of mental health challenges associated with being a CEO leader. But so what do they do? They go to a coach, right? And, and so that's the destigmatized mental health that CIO, CEOs and CIOs probably as well uh, go to. So it's interesting that evolution, but I mean, I look at it now as, hey, someone that's doing this is taking proactive efforts to ensure that their mental health is going to be powerful. Other people, when they were just hiding it, they probably sucked at working, right? Sometimes because they weren't getting the help they needed to be an effective worker in your organization. So I see it as a positive change. 
Yeah. And, and then you will maybe end there. You know, I think that's an element that's going to be interesting to see is will employers uh, get on board with this, right? And, and kind of recognize much like, much like the, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, how they recognized vacation time and how important that was to a healthy workforce. Uh, they're probably, get, I think they're getting there with mental health, like uh, having a, a good uh, mental health program or having supports there for people who are going through some challenges can lead to a you know, loyalty, can lead to uh, you know, better productivity and all those kinds of things. So hopefully the employers will also wake up and join this uh, you know, innovation in the mental health area. Absolutely. But we're at the end of another episode here on Healthcare IT Today. Thank you for tuning in. And to find out more details about our show, check out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com and share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag H-I-T-S-M. I'm Colin Hong with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week.